0: get to do star trek again it's episode five i gotta get my energy up i think it's
1: episode Mm, unknown what episode it is uh because
0: of our episodes exist in the q universe
1: yes uh not materialized yet who who can say where they are uh they may have been lost to time unknown Mm -mm. they definitely are not stuck
0: in the time war
1: Okay, they're not there, but they could be in a temporal vortex waiting to emerge 500 years later to surprise the crew. I think it's more likely
0: that they would end up a uh, sentient holodeck program. Hmm. Like, was was it Moriarty?
1: Yeah, I was going to say Moriarty. (sighs)
0: So good. This show's so good!
1: Uh, this is subspace transmissions where we talk about Star Trek. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what we've already talked about on this show because we've definitely done,
0: we've done a lot of themed episodes. So we've done like captain themes. We didn't, we didn't take the, like the best approach, you know? Yeah. But we said what do we like and what do we dislike about the captains we kind of stack ranked them a little bit. Um, we've done ship designs. We've done, we've done a lot.
1: There's a
0: lot in the can on this thing. One day we'll be kind of like caught up to it, but I don't think so soon. We're still doing them because, because Star Trek's awesome.
1: Yes. And this week we decided, you know, what if we finally bit the bullet and actually had to watch some Star Trek? Not that it was like some kind of horrible, uh, task since, I think it might be something we would do anyway. <laughs> or do anyway every week, probably. Yeah. Uh, So we had to come up with an episode uh, since we are both typically TNG watchers, although DS9 definitely sometimes as well.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, it's, you know, DS9 is a great, great show and one that I might rank higher in the canon in terms of what I think is practically... A higher quality show and you know mm-hmm. but there is no ability really to find the ds9 episodes at whim that you can watch without needing to remember what happened before them
1: yeah ds9 definitely has a lot more structure to the show so you have to watch a bunch of episodes or groups of episodes to get the good stuff out of them i would say tng you just sort of throw a dart yep and unless you hit one of the two parters you're basically going to hit something that you can just watch and be good so uh we did that but we kind of guided our dart throw a little bit since we already knew there were going to be episodes we wanted to watch and talk about (laughs) uh and we landed on uh an episode that at least uh I think can be controversially said, at least, to be one of the better TNG episodes.
0: Very uh, controversially said.
1: If you, uh, are making a list of the best TNG episodes, I personally would put this, li- this episode on there. Uh, I,
0: I see, mm, see, yes, though. Yes, you're right, but also you're wrong. <laughs>
1: uh, this episode <laughs> for keeping the audience in suspense is Darmok.
0: You know, for a long time, I, came up with lots of different ways to describe uh, this show and our relationship in the past in terms of, how, you know, we've been friends since high school, and we have this paragraph on our website about it and all that. I could easily have just written Darmok Angelata Tanagra.
1: That's true. You could. Uh, it is an allegory and a a really good one, you know? Uh, also- sometimes Shaka when the walls fell, but mostly... <laughs> Darmok <laughs> and Gelada, <laughs> <at> Tanagra.
0: <laughs> a little, a little bit of Picard and Daython at Eladro, maybe. Yeah. yeah, yeah, a little bit. I, uh, I like the word allegory. I also like the word allu- allusion, not illusion. Mm-hmm. They make a lot of allusion.
1: The, uh, 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 yeah. uh, I in preparation for this, I watched the episode twice, not just once, um, because I like it. Uh, and oh, wow. I read an article uh which I posted to our group chat, which maybe we'll include in the notes on this show or something absolutely
0: yeah there's uh, one of the best is written by the Atlantic
1: yes, uh that piece is ludicrously long but is very good. Uh, I would th-
0: like to point out that they are not the only ones uh there are even more scholarly sources that have dug into this episode, including um anthropologists. I took. An anthropology course in college and we watched this. I took, I'm a humanities major, so I actually, I actually watched this multiple times in college. Wow. Uh, nice. Yeah. Um, there's a, a heavy literary feel to the episode because of the way that, you know, the Temerians, the alien race communicate and, uh, anthropologists as well talk about, you know, not quite understanding, uh, Native American cultures until you understand their allegory. Um, much the same, though, once you read the Atlantic article as Western cultures, uh, allegorize the Bible, et cetera.
1: Yeah. Um, the, the way they speak, it, it, the show, the first time you watch the episode is like, it's almost like a mystery, right? You're watching it and trying to solve a mystery along with the crew. Yeah, there's like some danger elements or whatever, but those are mostly thrown in to make good TV. Right. Um, And the rest of it is kind of like you're trying to solve this mystery. What, who are these children of Tarma? What is their deal? How do, how can we get a communication going so that they can free Picard from the situation he's been gotten into? Uh, and so forth. And, you know, as the thing kind of unravels and you sort of see the, the events as that the captain and, uh, the Tamarian captain go through and, you know, they kind of build that shared life experience. They then have a way to communicate with each other, and you know makes the makes the whole thing work, right?
0: Right. Um, episode written and teleplay done by Joe Minoski, by the way, who is currently on Discovery, actually, yeah. ah. and did a lot of DS9 episodes as well. So,
1: uh-huh. I read that this episode had a very long gestation period, in uh, as far as these episodes of this show went it the idea for this episode was conceived a lot earlier in the show than it ended up airing this is a season five episode Um, it
0: feels like a season two episode and initially when i went to search for it i didn't look it up before i went to find it i went straight to season two
1: yeah i went to season three um but yes it feels like a a episode from earlier in the show and that fits with uh i guess it was devised about two years before it ended up airing
0: Wow. So season uh, five, episode two.
1: Yes. Uh and I, I guess uh Gene Roddenberry did not like the premise much, uh, which was part of why it took so long.
0: Interesting. Gene
1: Roddenberry who came up with the Universal Translator. <laughs> right. A uh a really interesting problem, or, or an interesting solution to a problem that in a lot of, you know, uh exploration fiction, right, causes a lot of the grief of the story where you're trying to understand and communicate with a new culture or a new people that you've never met before. Mm
0: -hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Star Trek just neatly sidesteps that problem 100% of the time by having the universal translator. Yeah. Uh, Which then this show, or this particular episode, is a way, well, we have this universal translator. It's still interesting to do stories about, like, how do you learn to understand a different culture how can we do one where we also have universal <laughs> translators?
0: <laughs> do you want to go through the episode at all? Or do you want to just uh, abstract it?
1: Because I don't know. Um, we should probably go through it a little bit just because it'll make more sense for the, the people listening if they have like a clearer... I don't know. Don't need we need to hit every point, but like kind of right, the storyboard. Right,
0: right. A little Picard Dathon moment here when mm-hmm. we're all
1: on the same page.
0: They uh, they get given this mission because the Temerians have... Sent out a mathematical sim- signal to say, hey, we're here, right? They said right. it's a bunch of gibberish numbers or whatever. There's no real well, purpose th- to the signal, right? They
1: said that it's like a standard progression, so it shows like, hey, we're here, we're intelligent, like, let's...
0: Right, it's like if we beamed pi out into space constantly.
1: Right, someone would go, oh, okay, they must know something because they figured out this, you know, mathematical sequence.
0: Right. Do you think...
1: Do you think we're right on Pi? I mean, it's a really long number. It's literally infinitely long. So I'm sure at some point we got parts of it wrong. But, like, the number comes out of math. It's not like something we invented.
0: Right, but, like, if some alien race was out there and they were monitoring us and they heard us send out Pi a couple times or whatever, and they looked at the number, they're like, ooh... Uh, they're not quite there yet because <laughs> they don't have pi right. Uh,
1: I don't think that would be much of a problem, right? It, it's pi is the relationship between the circle uh, is its diameter and its circumference.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So as long as you're like, it, you know, it, aliens may not understand or other cultures might not understand our numbers or our system of counting. But they definitely would understand the idea of a circle, one would hope, and the idea of the relationship between a circle and its circumference, and they'd right. go, "Oh, yeah, this is a thing," and then they would probably have that thing too. one hopes right.
0: well, that's the thing that uh that they say right Math is universal for this reason is yeah, you may not they may not understand that our circle ish shape is zero, right, but you can. You can put a bunch of apples in front of somebody, and put down, you know, the number, right? And then it's instant—it's instant understanding. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's a little off track, but yeah. it's actually a point that I want to come back to at the end of this, anyway. So they—we've got this idea that Samarian Mar- send out a signal. Yep, Card is practically <laughs> flying out of his chair with excitement. <laughs>
1: these people, no one has ever been able to contact them before. Why? Why? Oh, I think it's very interesting that he's like, he's super, super excited about this. It's almost like
0: it's some of the best part of the episode to me is that he is definitely the white man sailing across the ocean. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. And this show kind of in general, I think the first several seasons of this show was a lot of that, right? It was like you know, we have to explore new galaxies and new civilizations and here's the monster of the week, <laughs> uh, almost. Uh, so, you know, it, it fits, uh, in it some way. F- it fits, but it also fits with the theme of this, which is you
0: can't, you know, you can't just, uh, overtake a, another culture and understand them immediately and, and, oh, totally. uh, and our own excitement for that and saying like we are the explorer right Mm -hmm. like picard is the one he's the explorer that will find the children of tama and he will make the communication and understand them he will you know he's got that childish excitement for something that is not in his control and you find that out right dathan is in control
1: right you know the uh Watching the episode again for the second time, you know the Enterprise shows up. They try to contact the Tamarians. They uh, speak back and forth, but really no one seems to understand each other. Picard, Picard offers an alliance. The captain of uh, Dathon of the Tamarian ship seems to be like, I don't know what this dude is talking about. And the, he and his first officer have a pretty heated exchange, uh, and then you know they they cut him off uh, or. The captain, the Tamerian captain, cuts off his first officer, you know, saying, "Darmok." That's what clearly what we're going to do. Whatever that is, Darmok. And he says, "The river in winter." Yes, basically. Like no more, di- no more discussion. Right. This is the this is the end of the the talk here. So, uh, and then Picard and the Tamarian captain, uh, whose name we actually don't learn until the very very end of the episode. Right. And
0: that is one of the things that definitely holds the glue of of their of Troy's explanation later of their uh their culture together, right? Mm-hmm. If if you knew his name up front, this whole thing would fall apart.
1: Sure. Uh I think on like very close examination maybe a lot of it falls apart. Um <laughs> yes, and one of the reasons that I I have trouble with it,
0: but I've seen it probably 8 or 10 times, so I have a different we'll talk about that at the end.
1: Uh, and Picard and the captain are beamed down to the planet and the Temerian ship institutes some kind of, uh, anti-transporter beam in the upper atmosphere to prevent them from beaming anyone out. But it seems that they intentionally leave the sensor frequencies clear so that everyone can monitor, but no one can interfere. Uh, right. and now Picard and this captain Dathon are trapped on this planet. Uh, really not understanding each other still uh and they're (laughs) kind of just like standing next to each other you know (laughs) trying to figure out what to do
0: (laughs) yeah well he 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 looks like he's challenging picard right he pulls out two knives and he, and he throws one at picard's feet and he's trying to to show him how they're supposed to stand together right but but to our culture it very much looks like Hey, we're going to pit fight now.
1: Yeah, it looks like a ritual challenge or a, like, you know, a... um Right. Ma- uh, challenge. Worf even calls it, like, a challenge of champions. Oh, Worf. Later in the episode. St-
0: Straight away, Worf's like, they're invading our space. It's
1: like, okay, Worf, dude, like...
0: <laughs> and the whole episode is, you know, Worf very... I mean, he's very... He's trying to protect his captain and his people and all that
1: sort of stuff, obviously. But and and but he's know. also drawing on things from his own culture, right? Where right. in Klingon culture, this is what they would do. They there are ritual challenges and combat like that, right? So yeah. absolutely it's hard for Riker to get any good advice from him, <laughs> unfortunately. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it seems like throughout this episode, Riker and uh, the crew are literally just causing problems rather than solving anything. Um, yeah You can't blame them of course Because like their captain is beamed away without permission Onto a planet and then trapped there Like obviously you're going to try to get him back Um, Almost immediately we
0: run into the creature With yeah. some sort of phase shield And that's what inspires the crew to try and Make some tough decisions about ending this ch- communication And getting
1: Picard back Right Riker uh, doesn't want to start a shooting war So he say, figures okay well maybe we can send a shuttle And they won't risk shooting our shuttle down Mm-hmm. Um that turns out to be wrong. Uh they do, they do shoot them uh but just enough to cripple them not enough to uh to blow them up or anything. So just to yeah, turn guess, them away.
0: I guess before they run into the creature they do have that uh knight with the fire and Picard starts to understand a little bit that He's speaking an allegory yes yeah. he gives him fire and he says uh, something with hands it's, open, yeah,
1: right? It's uh, like, Temba, his arms wide. Yeah, right, right, right. So, you know, the Picard eventually, you know, goes like, oh, okay, thanks. Well, mostly it looks like Picard is cold and tired, so he says thank you for the fire. But, like, I think the next day is the day he finally puts it together of, like, mm-hmm. a Timba. Oh, it's like a gift. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, oh, thank you for this gift, you know. Um, and that was kind of the beginning of his understanding.
0: Right. Uh, they encounter the creature. Aethon is mortally wounded, and Picard cannot help because he accidentally gets stuck in a,
1: in a, transporter, a transporter beam. beam. Yep.
0: yep. And uh, uh, he they communicate while he's passing away, and Picard understands their language. Uh, through a lot of back and forth there.
1: Yeah, it seems like they have a, uh, uh, Dathan tells kind of the rough outline of who Darmok and Jalad and Tanagra is, right. uh, or like Darmok and Jalad at Tanagra, right, uh, and kind of the, they were two people on the ocean. They met together on this island. They struggled together against this beast. And emerged, left together as friends. Kind of right. the, you know, the the shared experience of fighting that beast, you know, helped forge their friendship. Yeah, uh, Picard uses Gilgamesh and Enkidu. Uh, which, you know, good on him because honestly, I don't know that I could have told you the story of Gilgamesh. I knew who Gilgamesh was, but I don't know that I could have recited that tale the way <laughs> Picard sure. does. So right. I'm glad he was read up on his ancient Sumerian. Um, <laughs> I certainly was not.
0: I forgot to mention that uh, Ashley Judd was the one that figured out how to get the uh, the shield down there.
1: Yeah. Uh, this apparently is her first acting role on TV ever. Uh, I went back into Wikipedia and looked that up as well.
0: Yeah. That's crazy. Yep. That's uh cool, but it's, it's crazy. It's yeah. not the first time that a bunch of actors show up in the show. I'm sure we'll talk other episodes where, Oh, look this person. Oh yeah. Um, and also I forgot to mention that the Sumerian captain is played by Paul Winfield, who is, uh, Captain Terrell, I think in the star Trek two.
1: Oh yes. Um, wrath of Khan. Yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so he does a great job
0: as well. Obviously he's a great actor or was a great actor.
1: Yeah. Uh, Absolutely does a great job since really most of the lines he's speaking don't make much sense. Uh, He has to give a lot of inflection, right? He has to show
0: his frustration when he says "Shaka," when the walls fell, which means failure. He has to show it. You have to know, you have to know what he's saying, even on the first, right? Like, so you watch this episode two times and you know, everything they're saying, you, you know how the people are communicating, you know what they're saying to each other because you You've gone through understanding all the lines they use. Picard is able to translate them later. Right. But the first time watching it, you have to get, after a few minutes, what these guys are saying. Because otherwise, you're going to not enjoy the episode. So I think Paul Winfield and his crew did a good job selling their emotions as well.
1: Yeah. the Even right out of the gate, if you have no idea what dharmok and jalada tanagra means while he and the first officer of the temerian ship are arguing you can tell like and troy even sees says it later when she's talking with data while they're trying to do the research um that you can tell what's going on there right the the captain has an idea first officer does not like the idea the captain's like i'm the captain shut up we're doing it (laughs) um and that's the end of the discussion right So, Mm -hmm. you can kind of see the dynamic emotionally play out, even if you can't really understand what exactly what they're saying means. And then, obviously, on the second watch through, you know what they're saying and what it means. Right. Um, Yeah.
0: Uh, They get Picard back after going with Worf's plan of basically shooting the Temerian ship. Yep. Which does not work well. Nope. Turns out the Temerians may be somehow more technologically advanced than the uh, Federation.
1: Yeah, it turns out their little, uh, little shooting uh, did disable the field enough for them to beam Picard back but, boy, the Temerians weren't happy about being shot, which nope. can't blame them. Sure. Uh, and the Federation weapons didn't seem to do too much damage uh, <laughs> and the Tamerian ones seemed to do quite a bit better. So yeah. their little shooting match ensues for a little bit, uh, Picard, you know, bursts onto the scene, hail the vessel! Um, they do uh and lo and behold, since he has now unlocked the key to their uh allegorical language, he you know is able to tell them you know their captain p- passed away, here's his uh little captain's log or whatever, and that um you know peace we we want peace between our people, and they're like, yeah, we're not quite ready to like do anything, but thanks, but they do say,
0: you know hey." We recognize Picard and Dathan in you know, Eladrill
1: as a yeah. beginning, maybe. We'll see. Yeah, and so yeah. now now there yeah. is a shared event for both people to reference, Picard right. and Dathan at Eladrill. A nice little bow on the end of an episode there, you know, and you catch uh, Picard reading his Homeric hymns later uh, <laughs> at the very end, because of course he would go uh, back and read a bunch of old Earth do you think Picard replicates
0: books just to look really smart when people walk in?
1: I like to believe he has a library, I only this, because he likes how it looks, not because, obviously, he needs it.
0: I think, honestly, though, this might be the first shot, too, at the end of this episode, where you see that behind his desk is a window, and it's sh- straight out into space.
1: Yeah, I don't know when the first time they showed that little ready room, and it's like... uh you know what's in it but right. it's definitely one of the earlier times they definitely go to that room like not infrequently but i don't oh, know they if, do it all the time i don't know if you ever see as many many shots of it from like you know picard standing at the window staring out into space
0: definitely not yeah so that's a re- little recap of the episode with a few uh thoughts thrown in there but we should get into it man yeah. um i think that that last scene is obviously fantastic uh i love every episode that has picard's amazing jacket
1: in it yeah that's a good jacket the
0: shoulder pad jacket
1: yes it's good If i had
0: to do a cosplay a federation cosplay it would involve that shoulder pad jacket
1: definitely uh the the gray bottom like the sort of ribbed turtleneck top that uh red jacket with the shoulder pads Mm -hmm. muy bien (laughs) i like that it's
0: a good look it is a quintessential episode and i think if you had to make a list of of episodes everyone should watch this one should be it because the first time you see it this is definitely one of those oh that's cool episodes
1: yeah definitely It, it is kind of like an idea of what it must be like for you know people exploring space to run into some completely alien culture, despite all their technology or whatever, and you know it tells that uh, it, what's the name of the, the the like you know the archetypal story of explorers meeting a new culture and learning to assimilate and you know becoming friends. That it thing. does it in the
0: the futuristic way, the right. the self-aware way of saying sometimes when we explore we try to project rather than accept, um, and, and it does, I think hit the star Trek button of saying in the future, we have to be better than we were because they definitely start out and they use Picard and Worf, I think mostly to, uh, become what uh, archetypes of, of different types of, uh, of of themselves you know Worf is very much the like everything's a threat in this episode sure sometimes he has more practical views and maybe that's true much later in the show and into DS9 when he becomes less Klingon and more of a a, a aware officer you know he becomes captain and all that or commander I guess not a captain yeah Uh, he is a captain by the shows or commander by the shows how does he captain the defiant without being a captain I think he is, does become a captain at the end. Okay. So he's a captain when he's in first contact? That doesn't make sense, because then he stays on the Enterprise after that. He's got to be a commander.
1: I don't know when first contact technically takes place. Well, but there's movies after that, so... Yeah, but I don't know when any of the Star Trek movies fit on the timeline, is what I'm saying. Oh, def- yeah, okay.
0: I think they're all after DS9 and all that. Mm. Generations might be between... Somewhere in there. I don't know. Because Warf's still on the D. Well that didn't sound good. The Enterprise no, D. It didn't. <laughs> this is off topic. Anyway. For those reasons, it's a great teaching tool in this episode, and it definitely I think hits the the Star Trek button. Yeah. We should talk about uh what you love about it first, I think. Okay. My qualms, my quips, my comments about this episode come from liking it enough to have watched it a buttload of
1: times sure so enough that you've seen the cracks enough that maybe. i know
0: yeah what it is and then i start to look at it as a, a writing challenge or a a challenge to make a better episode
1: right sure uh and you know even having seen it certainly less times than you in my lifetime but you know more than the couple times i watched it this week you can see problems it's not perfect Undoubtedly. Yeah. Uh, and the, we we the could talk Atlantic about that. Atlantic Article
0: later. does a good job of pointing out that yeah, like, how hey, there's there's some Star Trek fanverse that, that definitely does not like this episode as much as yeah. World.
1: and I think that's fair. I think there are definitely some people who find this stuff like this kind of an episode good, like stereotypical Star Trek. Right. And some people who don't, right? Like either right. you want this kind of stuff from a Star Trek or you don't, and mm-hmm. that's okay right some people don't and then they're not going to like this episode right and no, that's fine uh, i
0: think that the episode is is somewhat troubled in the long run but is definitely not a shaka when the walls fell
1: right i think that's a yes that's a good good way <laughs> to put it <laughs> all right so, so, hit me what you like man Let's so the, do the stuff that stuff. I, the stuff that i like about this episode is um not only how unique it is there's definitely nothing like the tamarians anywhere else in star trek so that's fun just in and of itself, just how unique they are, how their right. language and how they, you know, how their culture works um, is completely unique. I, I don't know that I've seen anything like this anywhere else in fiction. Uh, right. Not that maybe other places haven't tried something like really crazy like this before, but I certainly have not seen it. Um, and that by itself is like worthy of recognition since a lot of sci-fi stuff tends to borrow from other sci-fi stuff at some level, right? Mm-hmm. so uh them just being completely unique was uh you know really great and uh you know the the story despite being like this very stereotypical kind of journey of you know two rivals to become friends is told great that the acting uh on all sides by picard and the the dathan uh are is really great the kind of the the process of learning and going through that like oh like Timba, his arms wide, means a gift, right? That kind of a thing. Um, I think it's that part is just really good. I I like even when the story is obvious and cliched. Sometimes it can be d- well done, and I think that this is that way.
0: I think one of the best moments in the show that that saved it from being too cliched was that Riker's attempt to solve this problem caused. A bigger issue right like mm-hmm. there was the the captain getting killed is not the fault of the captain's decision although one of the best parts of this is that he chose to do this he went down to el Adrel knowing what was down there and thought that his life was worth trying to communicate
1: yeah the the sort of the noble sacrifice of the the temerian captain is Like, I want to believe that there are people like that in the world who would willingly risk their whole life in order to, you know, connect with this alien culture that they really know basically nothing about, right? The Temerians really know nothing about the Federation. They have no reason to trust or like them.
0: Right. Like, over a hundred years, they've run into each other eight times. And in that little bit of information, this captain has decided this eighth time... He wants to make sure there's peace between the two of them and it's worth his life. And that's cool. Yeah. Um, and, and Riker making the decision that kills him basically.
1: Yeah.
0: Great writing. I think.
1: And actually the, uh, you know, the fact that the Tamarians aren't even necessarily mad that their captain died. Uh, they were more mad that they were being shot at. (laughs) Right. Uh, You know, obviously, Riker doesn't know that at the time. The fact that, you know, when Picard comes back and says, Hey, you know, your your captain has helped me see, I understand, and I can communicate with you now. You know, but he was killed by the beast. And, you know, then they, you know, take back the logbook and everything. The, uh, it is just a, like, a a moment right there in the show that is like, Hey, this is what cultural exchange is. This is how this stuff You know, sometimes needs to be done between two peoples that don't understand each other. Mm -hmm. And that's the part of it that I like. I like that that cultural exchange is the focus. They're really trying to, the whole story is they're trying to figure out how to express ideas uh, in a way that this other group of people who are, you know, really understand nothing about humanity at all and how they can, you know, get something across to them.
0: Yeah, Troy and Data do a really good job of explaining to. I think they save the episode a little bit by saying, you know, their culture must have a lack of self in in it. In terms of right, you and I would be talking, and and I would talk about myself, and I would say, you know, I really felt bad about this decision that I made, and and it becomes about me, right? Like mm-hmm. if I say. Uh, you know, yesterday I backed my car into a cop car. No, I'm just kidding. Yikes. Uh, no, it was, uh, you know, that's a song. That is uh, about you. <laughs> yeah, no, but I was trying to make an allusion to a modest mouse song. Um, but like you know, I backed into my garage and I feel terrible about it or you know what I mean? Sure. Um, it becomes a story about yourself versus he, she says they have no real desire to have a sense of self. It seems like. They communicate through these illusions so that they, they tell you about an experience and how you feel in that experience versus the practical nature. So, so the Temerians become this culture that communicates through emotion, right? Or uh, not even necessarily
1: versus, emotion, just like the, they communicate through past experiences and ideas.
0: Right. And we, we really get a sense that Wow, uh, you know, obviously it's written in, in by Americans, so we have a little bit more of an Americanized version of the Federation. But uh, our culture is really about ourselves, right? Yeah, we we practicalize our experience for other people to understand. We we use a very practical sense, and so there's advantages and disadvantages to both systems. And and seeing that other cultures. Have advantages and disadvantages is one of the best parts of this episode.
1: Yes. Uh, the only thing I wish that we got, which we don't really ever get much of, is I want to see two Tamarians talk to each other for a little bit. Uh, you get a little bit of it with the captain and the first officer at the very beginning, and th- that Atlantic article, uh, which we'll link, uh, goes into it a little bit. But like, well, that how do yeah. Tamarians ask each other for like, hey, can you help me? Fix my car.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, less. Like, who was the less mid- that less that? And that's definitely something that the the article talks about. Is that some they they make the the art they project a little bit in the article saying that possibly there are problems with this way of communication, and we can start in on on it now because we're already on it. Yeah. Um. There are problems with this way of communication, and. You can't say – you can easily say, hey, can you help me fix my car? Sure. You can't easily say is pull the spark plug out. Or
1: give me the quarter-inch socket wrench.
0: Right. Is that example they use in there. Uh, You know, you'd have to start with Temba, his arms wide, but they definitely have to have a word for socket wrench or spark plug.
1: Sure. I mean, they made a spaceship that travels at warp speeds. There's – And they have – so, you know, they must they know, math, right? yeah, they so must they, know they math. Have a
0: practicality of math. So, where in there is the ability to say, "Okay, rivet this together," you know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah. So that's one of the biggest complaints. It sounds like from the Star Trek community, and one that the Atlantic article tries to say, "Hey, what they're doing here is putting on a show for communication." Of course. And one of one of the things that I think that is good about the Atlantic article is you have to understand that Dathan thinks that this is the best way to communicate with us. Yeah. Otherwise they may not have a practical way of communication. So in, in one aspect I kind of think that maybe they communicate outwardly with, with these stories and allegories and uh, allusions. Because maybe they have this emotional sense of what the other person means so deeply that it it might work. But you have to, you have to assume somewhere along the way they are able to communicate in a somewhat practical sense. But it's a good, it's a good reminder that we have to accept the world the way we view it, right? Like you and I can't imagine a way where we can't say plug that in. Sure.
1: The, uh, You know, and it's also possible that in their culture, you know, there are just, you know, that a lot of it is context based. Right. And so if, you know, you're like, oh, Timba, his arms and the just point at the socket wrench and then the guy will be like, oh, okay, I understand that you want the socket wrench or. If he knows that you're working on this thing over here and you need a socket wrench, and you say, "Timba, baby," he just knows that you need the socket wrench and he just gives it to you. Right. See, that's what I mean. They've got.
0: To, there might be some underlying. They, you, you have to project into this that there might be some underlying communication that you can't understand because the these explanations we get and the the show that we get doesn't answer the practical nature of how do you build a starship without being able to say like. Okay, well this, you know, pathway runs this way, you know, put this wiring harness over here, yeah. you know.
1: How do they do electrical engineering in the Temerian culture, right?
0: Our yeah. our hardest communication is well, English and German. You have to understand in German the verb comes at the end, right? Like <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, the, uh, the
1: most complicated languages in on earth Chinese are probably, Ch- right? Chinese, Chinese, right? But they use yeah. pictograms. So, yeah. you know, those are it, it It's still built in a way that is like a their language as we would understand it right
0: yeah uh, it it still does not abstract itself enough for us not to be able to communicate. They right. have a pictogram for water exactly so eventually you can get down to the basics of it, and that's what I was saying it's It's interesting that they didn't try to take a mathematical approach here, and that's that's one of the problems I have with the crew on the ship. Is mm-hmm. they just, they, they do the research to find out, okay, well, we know where they came from and we know that these are stories and we know that they're proper nouns. There's about three things wrong, I think. Is one is Troy can figure out that Shaka, uh, you know, the Walls film is, is basically like, uh, oh, they're upset when they say this. Okay. Well, I'm a, I, maybe it's be and th- this is one of the things I was saying. Maybe it's because I've watched it too many times. It's hard to remember what the first time is when you watch this mm-hmm. and how much you may be like, oh, okay, versus later. And you're like, well, clearly the walls fell as, like, failure. I don't, I don't understand why the crew can't get this.
1: Yeah. So the, um, I definitely also think that there's a failure in the researching part there. Yeah. They're able to put together that, oh, this guy is a mythological hunter on this planet and this, uh, this is an island on this planet. Okay, where's, isn't the next step like, hey, tell me about the story of this guy on this planet? Yeah. It, that's a, Is the computer just not have that? It knows what it is, but it doesn't know the story? Right. Like That's, the, <laughs> that's right. the, the really obvious leap there that they don't do. So then where is data or
0: somebody else to say, well, they projected this numerical sequence. Can we try to communicate with numbers? Yeah. That's problem two. Problem three is, I know there's anthropologists on board the Enterprise. There's a reason they sent the Enterprise. Mm-hmm. Where are the anthropologists to say, like, wh- why are Troy and Data the only two trying to solve communication on this ship? Yeah, and that, that's a that's a teleplay problem. They I was just
1: gonna say that's the uh, we have our stars. We got to put them in something in part of this episode. Absolutely, absolutely. And
0: it, it, you know, Picard has to figure this out on his own. Right. The ship, you know, the ship part might not be as well written as I would have hoped, and that's. I
1: I agree that the weakest part of the episode is the crew on board the Enterprise trying to figure out what to do to save Picard. It's it's easily the weakest part of the episode. Um, I think the episode knows it, too. (laughs) <laughs> because those scenes are pr- usually pretty quick. You get Riker going, Geordi, I need more transporters. And Geordi being like, okay, captain. And meanwhile, then yeah, you two get hours.
0: like, oh wait, no, two minutes. Yay. Star Trek.
1: <laughs> Yay. Star Trek. Right. Well, we'll try it. Captain. It, I cannot go any farther.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, point five three is as high as we can go. 0.527 is not high yeah. enough. Angular gonna- con-
1: confinement. Uh. theme. anyway, uh, our, our science magic didn't work here, so I guess we have to go try different science magic. Right.
0: Um, I, 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 I have one, one problem outside of the ship is that in a cultural exchange, often, uh, if you lay out corn in front of me and I say corn and you say maize, right. you understand that I said corn and yeah. I understand that you said maize. Mm-hmm. Dathan never seems to take anything from Picard, right? Like, like well, Picard says thank you many times in this. Sure. Uh and I think he was an abstract concept. Yep, it is. Um but there was a moment at the end where Daython finally gets his story that he asks Picard to tell him where Daython could have shown he understood the Federation by saying thank you. Right? That would have been the the, the button on on understanding that an exchange happened rather than Picard learning something. Picard. And le- it's, yeah. And that's uh, so
1: sacrificing.
0: Right. I think it's, it undermines a little bit of what they were going for where in my literary sense of this episode and I'm in, you can go read much deeper and I suggest you do if you, if you found this episode interesting or if you like the episode Darmok a lot, Go read some, some anthropological papers on this because they do exist. Um, and they're very deep and detailed about, um, our own history with understanding Na- Native American allegory. There's nothing written down, but they have tons of stories about, you know, the stars and the sky and, and, and these mythical heroes that used to live and, um, Same thing in in a lot of Spanish-speaking cultures as well, you know, Quetzalcoatl and a lot of other ones. Um, And you can go read those, and they're fantastic. Um, There's the moment here where you have to explain that Picard is not the conquering white man. He's learned that he needs to exchange with the other culture, right? Sure. Yeah. He can't walk in and be the big guy at the beginning of the episode. That's just like jumping out of his chair with excitement. Like I believe we have the qualities to understand these people. It's like, well, actually you didn't, you know what I mean? You, the first thing you did when you saw him on the screen, and didn't understand him was offer him, the most complicated uh, future alliances and trade agreements, and right, blah, blah, yeah,
1: blah. and and you know, it turns out that what they needed to understand isn't—it has nothing to do with the quality of you as a person or you as a a, a race or a culture. It, you need experience, right? Right.
0: You can't communicate to them like. We are the Federation and a peaceable race and we want to explore the galaxy and make non-aggression agreements and, and work together with everyone we ever meet. Let's
1: draft up this legal treaty here. You can't Uh. do that. You
0: can't. That, that's literally like, hey, hey, friend, uh, we just landed on these shores. Do you, do you own this land? That's cool. Uh, I see all your crops over there. Like, do you, here, sign this piece of paper. And, uh, you know, we'll like give you blankets or whatever. And, uh, then we own all the land in America. That's cool. Right. That's that's the same. It's literally
1: kind of what they're doing. Yeah.
0: Right. Um, and this episode leans into understanding that that's wrong and that's not the right approach for encountering cultures. And there are in the anthropology courses I was talking about, there are still cultures on earth that anthropologists work with to study mm-hmm. how this type of communication and exchange works. Um specific islands, especially there are some isolated cultures that, that they still work like this with. Um, and that's fans, fascinating stuff to read. And one of the areas that it falls
1: short when you've seen it eight times. <laughs> okay uh i think that's a fair It's a really <laughs> specific argument so make. that's a fair criticism uh
0: it's, a, it's but it's a literary and
1: anthropological
0: argument that 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 it doesn't hold a ton of water when you're just watching a star trek episode uh
1: and you know this was written by uh some dudes in hollywood <laughs> uh, right, for a yeah. tv show I mean, i'm not sure how to, you know went out and did tons of research about it did apparently take a long time to make it to air but you know i'm sure they rewrote it several times in the interim there but it is probably not that they researched it you know the appropriate amount i'm
0: i'm really leaning into a hard art that does not they teach this episode in schools and all over the place because it does hit the right points it just doesn't do it to my satisfaction and that's why i said yes it belongs on on lists and people should watch it but once you've
1: seen it a lot of times it still has some problems is all i'm saying i and and that's fair and i completely agree with it with you the uh the the problems are are there i just think that really if you are the cer a certain kind of star trek fan that wants to see this like you know the uh the thing about this this episode that i think i really like uh at the end, is it portrays this kind of hopeful... It's a thing that Star Trek does very well, actually, and, and TNG and uh, e- the original series, too. DS9 has less of it, but it's not gone. Uh, DS9 it,
0: struggles to do it because of the the war that they're in. Yeah. Uh, it's hard to see the best of the Cardassians until it's over.
1: Right. It, it shows this like this kind of hopeful image of what people can be and what other cultures can be. And this is a, an episode where really sort of the, you know, humanity is on the back foot here because we have, you know, we're coming in with all these ideas based around ourselves. And that's not really what this other culture is about, but this other culture is really putting their best foot forward here. They're like, Hey, look, it's been, you know, we've known about this, these other races for hundreds of years. And now we're going to tr- finally try and make this effort to really understand them so that they can yeah. understand us. Yeah, and you have
0: to think that it's very calculated that they reached out to the Federation, right? Like right,
1: yeah. They didn't reach 1, out to the Klingons. Years. They didn't reach out to the Cardassians. Right, They right. reached out to the Federation. You have here. to assume that they have some sort of technology that has allowed them to observe
0: what's been happening in the universe for these last hundred years. And they said, okay, those are the people, Dathon, you have to go communicate with. Right. You got to make it work. Right. At, the,
1: at the beginning, right, they, they're they not, the very first thing you hear from them isn't Darmok and Jalad at Tanagra. You hear something else, you know, uh, uh, I don't remember what the thing that he said was, but it was, it was, uh, it was a different two names at a different place. Uh, after which, you know, the, the captain decides, okay, actually instead we're going to do Darmok. Um, and the first officer yells at him in that whole exchange. So like, they didn't come here planning to do Darmok, but maybe, probably, in the back of Dathan's mind, you can think he was like, okay, I have a plan B. If this goes south, we're going to do this other thing. Right. Um, And, you know, because they flew to that world for a reason, right? It's not like there was, like, they just, you know, they didn't just guess that there was going to be this monster there. They didn't just guess that they were going to be able to block the transporting beams or whatever, Right. He must have, at some level, planned it.
0: Right. Yeah, so.
1: So, you know, and it shows the, and that kind of willingness to be able to do this whole thing and set it up just in order to say hello, really, (laughs) to this other culture is, that's like a, it's a hopeful feeling. It's good. I I like Star Trek when it is hopeful like that.
0: I think that your, your point that you have to be the type of Star Trek fan to like this episode, I think that uh, you're not... a deep star trek fan if you can't find the good here right like totally and i don't think that any star trek fan that has problems and maybe i'm alienating some people by saying this or something but i can i can look at this episode and say it has problems but i still look at it and say this is one of the ones where star trek says what it what it is to be in the future and 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 that's a hopeful feeling and you're right and and it's also an aspirational feeling that we eventually understand our shortcomings, even in situations that we don't get right. And that's any way that Star Trek says that is a good episode.
1: Yeah. And, you know, uh, obviously people have different opinions. I've read lots of lists of best episodes over the years, and this one isn't always on them. I would not put it on
0: my list of best, but I would put it on my list of people should watch if they have not seen. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's what I was saying at the beginning. I, I don't agree that it's the best and and that's i think it just maybe.
1: depends on what you mean by best right right
0: yep exactly exactly
1: uh and you know I, this is certainly an episode that i think is very uh n- not stereotypical but maybe like prototypical of how star mm-hmm. trek kind of works and is which is right. why it's so strange to see it so late in the run of tng really well you know, that you know
0: you kind gotta- to We didn't even this whole time ever contrast this with the first time that the Federation meets the Ferengi, right? Yeah. We have that episode where, where they have first contact with the Ferengi and it's just like this hailstorm of, of like fighting and, and stormy weather and stealing and, you know, this huge failure on the Federation and the Ferengi to, to really try an, an episode of communication, but instead, Their first encounter is this just disastrous thing. And, and I don't know that that (laughs) is as well of a written as an episode. And we didn't watch it for this. Yeah. Um, and I doubt that it is as thought out as this. And, and in the long run, a lot of the stuff in those episodes, in that episode doesn't pan out to be canon in a way. Yeah. Um, the Ferengi are traders, not murderers like, or slavers like they appear to be. Um, they write some of it back in late, late in the DS9 era when you start to research Ferengi history and all that sort of stuff. Culture and And culture. And so, but it doesn't hold water all the time. Uh, so the Ferengi are a complicated race that we try to understand later, not initially. And here you have a complicated race that you try to understand off the bat. And that's, this is definitely a contrast in the Federation and, and comes, this comes much later, I think. And so you can kind of hope that this is a progression in the understanding of the Federation on how to encounter cultures for the first yeah. time that are spacefaring
1: cultures. And it goes counter to the trope in sci-fi that the the alien monster race is the antagonist, right? So, or
0: the yeah, and like we said earlier, or the ones that need to be communicated with. These are the ones right. that are doing the communicating. Yeah, they are,
1: they are the ones who initiated this, not the Federation, right?
0: Right. Well, we hit a lot. That's probably as deep as we can go
1: without getting a different degree. <laughs> I don't have time to go back to school, Andrew. Sorry. <laughs> I, I, read that fi- I read that I read that 5,000-word Atlantic article. I consider that pretty darn good.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've, yeah. You, you did good. <laughs> I did good. We did good. Yeah, yes. <laughs> yeah. It was, uh, that was Dharma and Jalad at Tanagra. Uh
1: Andrew and JJ on the podcast. <laughs>